listening to Fireside Chats with Roadside Shaman on Open Lines Radio. Follow Hannah on Instagram at Roadside Shaman. Follow Open Lines Radio on Instagram at Open Lines Radio. And check out Open Lines Radio online at www.openlinesradio.com. Now stay tuned for Fireside Chats. Enjoy! Hello again. Hello. It's Hannah Smith for Friends, aka Roadside Shaman, coming to you from the roadside. Legit roadside. I'm parked in a parking lot at a little duck pond that I like to walk around. I may or may not actually get out of my car at this point. It depends on if I feel like walking or not. Because this time today, I'm just feeling wiped out. I'm feeling drained. I'm feeling like, I don't know, like, I feel like I had three Wednesdays in a row, and this is the third Wednesday in a row, and my week hasn't really progressed all the way that I expected it to or hoped it would. Um, I think I pushed, I think I pushed record because I'm responding more like having more feedback from, uh, the interaction that I have been listening to between, um, Mark of Open Lines Radio, of Streaming Consciousness, of Virtual Campfire, of the mixtape of Through the Greenhouse Haze, Mark. Um, I've been listening to his conversation with Soraya the Great, um, of, uh, Soraya the Great, that's the name of their podcast, the, um, their Instagram handle is The Experiment House, at any rate, um, they released a really powerful conversation the other day, um, and I've listened to maybe not the whole thing all the way through more multiple times. But I definitely well, I probably have listened to the whole thing twice now, but I've listened to portions of it three or four times now, um, just because I was really getting a lot out of it, and I really, um, you know, they were having a, a, a deep discussion on, you know, familial expectations and expectations of production and, um, you know, roles we play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I just, I've been really getting a lot out of this discussion and, um, I just really, you know what I did? I felt the backlog of my own verbal expression. I felt the fact that there's been a lot of shit going down, a lot of frustrating things, a lot of 3D bullshit. I don't even know what to call it. You know, the Vogons, the bureaucracy, the, you know, that infrastructure of beliefs that we all lean heavily into until it, you know, shatters underneath us in a dramatic tower falling moment. Yeah. So I was just really struggling with the um, uh, support system for my kid. Um, basically, there's a uh, online uh, time card registration portal, 
and the website was down for like two days, maybe three days almost. And it was problematic. It basically means that my pay is going to be delayed for a couple of days. Hopefully not too long. Hopefully, you know, this was the biggest hitch in the get along and everything will loosen up. But it just kind of underlined again the fact that I live in a, in a, debt-free process, a credit-free process. Like I don't, I don't have access to signatory credit. I don't choose to utilize credit cards or, you know, like, uh, um, any, you know, I don't have any of that kind of stuff. So I can't just like make it work if my paycheck is delayed for, um, a few days or a week. Like it really, we really feel the pinch because we're one of those, you know, paycheck to paycheck type households. And we really do rely on, pretty much every dollar that comes in consistently um, to come in on the timing that it's supposed to come in at. And it doesn't always. There's a lot of, you know, um, times where I feel like the system is designed to keep people out of it and designed to make it, you know, difficult to use so that fewer people use it and the people that do use it, use it to lesser efficacy and it's all basically just in the aims of cost-saving measures by the infrastructure but um, I'm pretty convinced that saving the you know costs whatever costs they're saving in this end of the infrastructure is they're more than exceeding in the you know the the respondent costs of that choice in other words the fact that they make it difficult to use and stress things out and make it harder for people to utilize the system mean that fewer people use the system means that more people end up in you know uh, emergency rooms or respite care homes group homes things like that like without these types of services in place and easy for them to use it people end up on the street people end up homeless people end up kicked out by their families because they can't handle it and then that person just sort of scatters into the wind they fall down a ravine and with you know uh, the shop cart crew and just, you never hear from them again. So basically that's what I, that's the future I'm trying to, uh, you know, divert away from my own child. So the only way I can really do that is by maintaining consistent, uh, social service support around him. And the system itself makes it very difficult to do that. It make it, it, the system is designed to make it inaccessible hard to access so I'm just feeling some levels of frustration the the false perception or the false narrative that the work that I do isn't as valuable as the work as as the work of some you know bank manager or CEO or you know police officer the fact that you know my work for the government my work for the state my work for the bureaucracy my work for society you know, the greater good of protecting and caring for the citizenry, which is what caretaking is, caregiving is, whether it's for your elderly parent, for a friend who's ailing, um, uh, you know, your own child or relative, you know, a pet, whatever it is, if you're caring for, you know, something, if you're offering that time and talent of yours to care for the land even to go and like pick up garbage from the riverside or go to the beach and you know clean glass out of the sand whatever it is that is that act of caretaking and caregiving 
it is absolutely not compensated in the way that is uh, equivalent to the value it brings to our society. It's kind of ridiculous how much the labor that we do, the, the work that we do as caregivers is just shat on. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. So, you know, I try to bolster my own perception of the caregiving profession. I try to, um, you know, do positive um, affirmations, positive programming, countermanding that, you know, fear-based programming that, that the system wants to, you know, put in me on a regular basis. But uh, I, I got to say, man, it is, uh, it's a rough go. It is definitely something that takes conscious and conscientious, conscientious effort to maintain that vibration, to maintain that you know, keynote of worthiness, of feeling like, yes, what I'm doing matters, what I'm doing is important, what I'm doing is valuable, you know, because they don't, they're, they don't, at this time, they don't really compensate caregivers appropriately. It's just, you know, it's disrespectful. It's, and I think it's dangerous in the long run, you know, because if you don't compensate people well, it's hard to keep people accountable from a, you know, professionalism standpoint or just, you know, I'm just saying wages are low overall in general and should be higher. So until capitalism dissolves, we should at least pay people with greater um, compassion and, and fairness. Because there's no way that one person's labor is worth, you know, 3,000 times another person's labor. And yet that's kind of the society we've set up. So, um, yeah, I think that that is why I pushed record is because I've just been feeling this pressure building up of frustration about this you know, insistence on production and this insistence on doing things that quote matter or that, you know, have a return on investment. Like sometimes the return is in the doing. Sometimes what you get out of it is putting into it. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not something that can be quantified from where you're standing or sitting. It's like, they didn't know, I'm going to use the wolf metaphor again. I don't know if I've used this too much in my podcast and you guys are bored of it already, but like when, uh, when they got rid of all the wolves in Yellowstone, like we were almost extinct, you know, basically booted them out to make it quote safer for the people visiting the park or the other animals there or whatever. Um, there was problems, you know, the herds sort of overtaking the herds of caribou and, you know, elk and whatever else were just, their populations were growing out of control and they were stagnating in certain portions of the park and the park was suffering. I mean, the, the, the land was suffering from this imbalance, from not having that one element. And so they slowly uh, decided to return the wolves to the park because 
they were endangered now. And they're like, oh, where can we put them? Well, we can put them back where they were. They'll be safe there. So they started reintroducing wolves into the park. Well, when they did that, the caribou started running. The elk started hiding. They started sticking to rivers and valleys and ravines and like not going in other certain areas where it was more problematic. And more importantly, they moved. They were being pursued by predation and that pushed them out of their stagnation where they were over-consuming and killing the stuff in, in the locality. So they moved to a different location. And do you know what followed the caribou? Rivers. The rivers and streams moved because the wolves chased the caribou and the elk. Legit. You can Google that shit. You can read about it. Watch some like Now This or BuzzFeed video on it about like some sort of, you know, inspiration porn or something. But the bottom line is those rivers were not moved by beavers. Okay. They weren't moved by architects. Those rivers were moved by, you know, hooves and predation. So you can't really tell what the long-term impact is of anything that you're doing. You can't really see the global or multidimensional sequela of any of your choices. All you can really do is just look at who's around you, identify needs that you can help, you know, mitigate or, or support And then just put your attentional focus there. That you can do. You don't know long term how much good you're doing. But you do know that you're doing a little bit of good local to you. How far that spreads out. How far it pings out. How far it ripples out. Nobody will know until, you know, the final resolution. But right now, what you know is how the people, you know look at you across the cubicle or, you know, high five you from the couch at home or, you know, write you up for your uh, customer service at work. You get the feedback from the humans around you and the environment around you on your choices if you pay attention to it. And by and large, it's all good, baby. It's all good. Even the bad is good on a long enough scale of time because it helps with balancing the good to have some bad. And even judging what is good or bad, we can't really do from where we are now, from where we are here. You know, there's plenty of things that we thought we were doing that were good when we were doing them and we found out they were terrible afterwards. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of examples. But there are also examples of times where we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and we ended up bringing great blessing and transformation into our community, into our cohort, into our environment by just getting into flow state, getting into that groove with nature and with the beautiful sacred geometry of this plane that we are dwelling through or whatever. It just, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a privilege to serve in this capacity here. Um, it's just really easy to feel like, like it's futile because 
on a 3D level, on a worldly level, on a societal level, on a bureaucratic level, even most of the time on a familial level, the reciprocity isn't there. We are not compensated in balance to what we put out. But that's why it's important for those of us that are tuned into the source. They were talking, Mark and, and Saraya were talking a lot about source in that conversation. If we're tied into our own source, our internal stores of energy, our internal well of compassion, if, if we are tied into that infinite source, then we can keep pouring in. We can keep you know, replenishing ourselves, restoring ourselves. But like, that's what I want you to hear is that like the well is infinite to replenish yourself. Okay. The well is not infinite for you to serve other people necessarily, right? Not if you're stuck in a toxic codependent, um, sinkhole of gravity where you're just pouring, 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 and not really ever attending to your fullness or emptiness. That's like, you know, uh, um, that's just like a mother nursing but not eating enough to maintain her milk supply. Eventually, they'll both starve if she doesn't eat enough. So, yeah, being tapped into that store, that source is what enables us to pour our compassion, our love, our conviviality. That is what allows us to pour ourselves into the service of anything. And that... that service that we do that you know comfort that guidance that feeding that nurturing that loving on one another that is really where we receive our compensation is in that connection because in that moment of service we're blessed and healed too there is definitely like a reciprocity in that I feel that when I work with someone's energy and I offer, you know, a a healing, balancing attunement, my own field becomes healed and balanced and attuned in similar measure, similar fashion. So um, while it does sometimes drain me to do that kind of work, very rarely is it because I've taken something out of me to put into them. It's more like I've run stuff through our systems and some of it got used up in the running through of our systems, you know? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. I don't know. Kind of, Part of me feels like I'm not really saying anything of uh, consequence at all, really, outside my own thought space. But I, again, want to affirm that that's one of the reasons why doing this podcasting is so healing and transformative, because... I am a verbal processor. I've learned that a lot of times I don't even understand what it is that I'm thinking or feeling until I spit the words out of my face. Like there's so many potential thoughts and sentences rattling around inside my brain all the time to actually find the one that, you know, has the greatest momentum or the greatest, you know, belief energy behind it. The one that can push through that wall of possibilities to become the chosen word that actually is spoken. That is that is, that's, that's a, well, it's a effort. It's a, it's a blessing, but it is definitely an effort to get to that place of 
pushing the word out. But once it's out there and I can hear it, I hear the clarity of it. I hear the truth of it. Or I hear the discord and the dissonance of it. That's the other thing that really, really truthfully happens is like I speak it out loud. I go, what? That's what you were thinking? Oh, no, 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 no. Dear heart, dear heart. Come on now. Let's be a lot kinder with ourselves right? Because sometimes we're way meaner to ourselves inside our own head without realizing it. That like subconscious quiet voice, we just like sort of go, oh yeah, good job. I totally think that you're amazing. Wink, wink. And all the time we can hear the snark and the sarcasm, the eye roll internally. So yeah, I feel like speaking this out so I can hear it helps me to attune and hear the the alignment and the discord, the harmony and the dissonance, the order and the chaos, the symphony and the cacophony. It helps me to hear it all. And it helps me kind of integrate it into something that feels less um, chaotic sometimes. At least, you know, when I listen back to it over time. There seems to be some sort of order that formulates or materializes. So, I don't know. I just felt like, I guess I needed to vent out some of that anxiety or tension. To be fair, so that everyone else can calm down and not be nervous for me, it seems like things are moving forward now. I was finally able to log in and submit my time card. There still needs to be the authorization to go through. But then once that happens, it should be smooth sailing. It should be, like, no problem. Um, but, yeah, I definitely... I, ha- I had a rough go the first couple of days there where I was like, what the hell is happening here? You know? So, everything's fine. Everything's well and getting weller all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. So... Um, not really sure where to go from here, um, what else I wanted to mention, just, you know, sibling energy, and sometimes it's rough, and if you have siblings at all, or if you have many, many siblings, sometimes it's hard to keep in balance the relationships that you have with some of them versus others, and I definitely am feeling a lot of that lately. There's a lot of stuff in the consciousness about how we are treating our siblings and how our siblings are treating us and how much relationship is really healthy, how much we're really called to be engaged in with one another, you know, just that kind of stuff. Like basically really feeling like um, our sisterhood and brotherhood or siblinghood of... um, spiritually evolving people are maybe being called into restoration but that doesn't necessarily look like what we think it does and that the restoration integration um, doesn't mean that you're going back to the way things used to be in any way it can be a restoration and an integration that involves different situations different people different activities or behaviors Um, different locales, venues, um, just different dynamics. Let's just chalk it all up to say restoration could mean completely, must mean completely different dynamics. The dynamics must shift in order for restoration to occur. So, yeah, I mean, 
when they were talking about that, I really felt it. And, uh, yeah, it was a good one. I don't know what else I'm going to say. I probably should be wrapping up here and heading back over to um, the kids' therapy office to um, pick them up. Might do a quick lap around the pond before I do that. Maybe. Nah, I think I'm wiped energetically. I'm just... It's just one of those, yeah, I feel the waning of the moon. That Pisces full moon was a doozy, and now I feel the waning, and it's just like, okay. Nappy time. A nap would be good. Nap, nap, nap. Yeah. A nap would be good. What else do I want to say? One last thing. I'm going to tell you guys, I made a really successful smoke blend this week, uh, you know, an herbal smoking blend. I've been wanting to get some mulein back on board. I really find it helpful and soothing um, for me personally. And I just hadn't done it, hadn't done it, hadn't done it, hadn't done it. And finally, um, I was, uh, I don't know what drove the impulse the other night, but like one day I was just like, yep, this is it. You're going to make it now. So, um, I decided I wanted to make a mulein marijuana and then I wanted to add another tea, another herbal uh, thing like lavender or mint or something to like, you know, so I just sort of flipped through my herbal book and reading just like which ones are good for this or that and just listen to my intuition the way I do and I just used what I had on hand totally like I had, um, this really cool holy basil tea is like a peppermint Tulsi tea and it has three different kinds of Tulsi in it so um I was interested in that because it's already kind of a cocktail in and of itself having the um having the uh what do you call it um the three different kinds in there but then it also had peppermint. So basically the, the blend is six different herbs. It's cannabis, um, moline, peppermint, and then three different kinds, three different varieties of holy basil, three different varieties of Tulsi. And so I've been smoking it the past few days and I've been letting other people try it out to see how they enjoy it and the consensus is it's very enjoyable it's lovely we really like it it keeps um it keeps you from coughing it feels much smoother and more gentle and I feel like um it's just really grounding and sedating like a lot of times especially with like really fresh weed I feel like it makes me too, like, agitated. I need the CBN, which comes from more, like, dried-out, aged, oxidized THC. Um, And it's just hard to find that sometimes because most of it is just pretty fresh still. So um, adding the uh, 
adding the, uh, what do you call it? Um, adding the, um, Tulsi in particular, I feel helped with, um, like sort of like, it's kind of like a sedating and grounding and calming, um, effect. So that helped balance the little bit of cannabis that was in the blend and the mulling helps support the lungs and the tea helped with the, you know, the peppermint helped with the, um, uh, the overall smokability it just helped lighten it and make it more pleasurable to taste and to smell and everything like that and I think it helped open things up a bit make it more elevating so yeah basically it's a winner it's a total winner so I'm going to make some more big batches of it because I have tons of mulling and I have tons of that tea so all I have to do is just go get some uh, more marijuana and then it will be easy to blend it together it's good because it means I'll be using less cannabis, which is good for, um, you know, just modifying the dynamic and, you know, it's good to fast occasionally or step down consumption of anything, whether it's coffee or tea or salt or sugar, it's like good to have fasting seasons. I've actually been fasting, um, from food the past two days. I've had, um, the day before yesterday I had one avocado and liquids. That's it. Just tea and coffee. That's it. And then yesterday I just had water and a little coffee, not a lot. And I think I maybe had one bite of avocado in the morning, but then I didn't anything all day, not even chocolate, which is weird for me to not at least medicate with some chocolate throughout the day. Um, so I had zero food. It was all liquids. And then again, today, same pattern. I ate zero food all day long. Um, I started feeling my electrolytes kind of flagging and I needed to drive. And so I felt like the smart thing would be to take in some salt. So I did that by eating some, uh, dried seaweed. So it's basically kind of like dissolved. It's just like, you know, like, like what they put into, um, miso soup, like that really thin seaweed that kind of just melts in your mouth. Um, so I ate some of that just to get my salt up and I've been drinking water and that's it. It feels really good to be downscaling what I'm running through my system. And so I'm doing that kind of categorically. I'm doing it with the food and with the medicine because this is one thing that I have noticed over my years of um, healing and correcting and, you know, uh, just nourishing my system. I've learned that when I'm fasting from food, I need way less medication because a lot of the medication consumption that I take now has to do with stoking my appetite so that I can eat because um, I'm, I've had bariatric surgery and radiation to my gut. And so just um, the uh, act of eating is very complicated. I have to have a lot of support in order to get food to like go in the face hole and like, you know, it just sometimes pretty much every time, um, in some way cannabis is an important supportive piece to that equation being successful. So 
what I notice is when I'm fasting from food, when I'm deciding to fast from food, I usually use way less medication. That's different than when I'm fasting from food as a response to um, something wrong with my gut that I like did, you know, like, or I'm having a problem, like when I have gastroparesis, in that case, I usually increase my medication pretty dramatically, um, because I'm in so much pain. Um, but when I decide to do a fast, because I'm just generally feeling gross and yuck and like my joints hurt and my tummy is too bloated and everything feels like it's not digesting right. And, you know, yeah, basically my joints are achy. I feel weird and feverish. Like when I can feel like my rheumatoid is getting like a little bit out of control, that's usually when I feel this urge to just stop the food altogether and just run less through the system. So had a couple of supplements. I like L-arginine and L-lysine and B12. I take them all individually. Group um, supplements, like multiple supplements, multivitamins and multiminerals and stuff. Those oftentimes do not um, go through my system very well. So... Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm very glad, I'm very glad that I, um, uh, I'm very glad that I forgot what I was saying in the middle of that sentence. I think it means it's time to be done. Oh, 33 minutes in. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go and get the kiddo. Ugh, I hate that word kiddo. Why did I say that just now? Weird. Um, I need to go and pick up my legacy and put him in the car with me. So, fasting. I'm glad that I know when to fast now consciously so that I don't have so many times of suffering. But my um, blended herbal smoking product. I'm really enjoying. I'm getting a lot out of it. If you're curious about it and you want me to explain more about how that process went, just reach out on Instagram at Roadside Shaman. You can DM me. I usually respond to DMs unless it's clear that you're a bot or trying to like swindle me. I'm usually very, very responsive to messages um, on Instagram. So again, if you're curious, if this sounds like something that you could be into or want to um, learn how to do for yourself or your household or someone that you're supporting, go ahead and reach out. I'm happy to talk with you about it. And that goes for more than just the herbal smoking. It has to do with ritual bath. It has to do with poultices. It has to do with, you know, breathing meditation. It has to do with, hey, if you need to know about any of our social support services here in California, I uh, have a... I would say near expertise level of knowledge and, uh, no, I'm not even going to say near. I have an expertise level of knowledge of how these systems work. And like, yeah, I, I'm not going to guarantee I can answer every question that comes my way, but I can probably point you to some good resources for people that can help you if you're having an issue. So for anybody that's struggling with issues with regional center or, um, public authority, if you're doing caregiving for an elderly person, um, and you're trying to get them to help you more, just reach out. I'm happy to, you know, be a sounding board and let you vent or maybe even give you some helpful pointers. And hey, you know, I've always got my cards around so I could do a reading for you too. Sometimes that's helpful. So um, 
yeah, reach out, Instagram, and uh, Roadside Shaman, Open Lines Radio, and uh, this is a fireside chat. So I'm going to sign off now and I'll say Chokma Chapisalacho, which means hello, I will see you, for we Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. And I'll say Chihololi, which means I love you like you love me, because reciprocity is reality. Okay, later, Gator. Thank mm-hmm. you.